This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We are in the middle of essay number four, page 302. So in this essay, he's going to explain how there is a superiority, there is a uniqueness, an advantage to prayer. There's something unique about mitzvot, and there's something unique about studying Torah in their effect and impact on this world. So we finished, we had two classes, we finished learning about prayer, the power of prayer, it's unique about prayer the effect that prayer has in this physical, material world. Our prayer has the power to change reality, which we don't find uh, by Torah and by mitzvot. And now he's going to focus on the uniqueness of doing the mitzvah, the physical act of physically doing the mitzvah with a physical object. So we finished learning, last time we finished learning, that the 248 commandments of the Torah divide into the 10 vessels of the 10 Svirot of Zah. They derive from the division of the mitzvot. The 248 derive from the 10 Svirot of Zah, of the vessels of the 10 Svirot. The vessels are what divide the light, and therefore you end up with these divisions of many mitzvot, diverse mitzvot, and specifically 248. And now he's going to ask, we find different places in the Zohar which it seems to say contradictory things, describing mitzvot. Now, in one source, it's written that the 248 positive commandments are rooted in the five attributes of kindness, of zah, of atzilut. Every positive command serves as a vessel to receive an expression of the kindly attributes and a calling forth of divinity. And the 365 prohibitions are rooted in the five attributes of severity, of zah, of atzilut. The Gorot, the attributes of severity, reflect a divine thrust the self-contraction and limitation. The prohibitory commands thus derive from them since the intent of these commandments is to withhold the efflux of holiness from Kripos. The positive mitzvot come from the kindness. Positive means that you're taking something of this world and you're connecting it with Hashem. So it's like an act of love, embracing. Hashem saying you can embrace this portion of the world, this experience, and you can elevate it and you can bring it closer to Hashem. So it's an act of kindness, an act of, uh, of love. The, when you say something is prohibited, 
It's an act of being strict. You're rejecting it. You're saying, this cannot be elevated. You're being tough. You're being strict. This cannot be embraced. This has to be rejected. This is poison. This is, this is no good. So it's an expression of the gevura, of the strength, the severity of Hashem limiting Himself, contracting Himself and, and um, limiting Himself. In other words, you have to be worthy. So this is the love of Hashem that embraces and it's, it's an act of kindness. We can take you in, we can embrace you, we can elevate versus an act of rejection, restriction and saying, no, off limits. There's limits, there's boundaries. This is off limit, this is out of bounds, this is inbounds. So it's much more intense. You know, boundaries and limitations are not negative. They're very dynamic, but it's very intense. Your boundaries are very dynamic, are very powerful. But it's an expression of power. It's an expression of intensity. So in general, we learned earlier, love and kindness and, and gevura, strength, are, are like opposites. They're two different, they're two different types of people. They're people who are very... Um, you know, loving and kind and very giving and very effusive with their love and with their giving and with their praise and there are people who are very, on the contrary, they're very measured and very exact and very demanding and very intense. There's a different energies, two different energies. There's the energy of chesed, there's the energy of the right hand and the left hand. It's two different energies. Liberal, conservative, two different energies, different approaches to life. You know, the prosecutor and the, and the lawyers, two different, two different, the cup is half full or the cup half empty. It depends if you're pouring or if you're, re- if you're receiving. <laughs> it all depends. It's not one is right or one is wrong. It's two different, two different energies, two different approaches. So the kindness, the chesed, the, the positive mitzvot are the expression of the divine kindness. The kindness of Zah is the divine kindness. And because the differences within us, between right and left and conservative and liberal and all of that is rooted, ultimately everything is rooted in, in the divine. That's what he says, in the world of Zah and Atzillus, in the world of the emanation, of divine emanation, Hashem, so to speak, also emanated from within himself the attribute of kindness and the attribute of Gevura. So the, the mitzvot, the 248 positive mitzvot, are expression of Hashem's love and kindness. And the, uh, the 365 prohibitions are an expression of Hashem's intensity, severity, uh, lim- limiting, which is a very powerful, very powerful energy. Is there an example of such a prohibition? Of prohibitions? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not eating uh, things that are not kosher. Don't mix milk and meat. Don't mix uh, wool and linen. I mean, all the 365 mitzvot. Don't steal. Don't kill. Uh, don't slander. I mean, all, all the mitzvot, all the positive, all the 365 prohibitions. So that's, that's, an, that's what it says in another place. So here he says that the mitzvot come from the, the, at the side of the attributes of kindness. So it seems to contradict what we just read earlier that the 248 mitzvot come from the 10 kelim of all the svirot of Zah. Here it says no, only from the attribute of kindness, not from the attribute of severity. The prohibitions come from the attribute of severity. And in another place he says, elsewhere it is written, 
Elsewhere it is written that there are 613 paths. In other words, the 613 mitzvot that derive from one path, which is the lav nunit, the benevolent, pristine whiteness of the supernal keter. He says there's a level. There's a level which is called the crown, which like sits, rests on top of the head. It transcends. It transcends even the, the head. And that's the source of all the tense we wrote, the brain, the heart, the right, the left, all the, the, all the divisions of the body. But there is a single source, which is the keta, which is undivided, indivisible. And there, there's no right, there's no left. The whole division between right and left, between masculine and feminine, up and down, everything is split down the middle, and you have right and left, and you have all these divisions are only within the world of emanation, within that frame of reference. But when you go to the keta, the crown, which transcends the whole frame of reference of the universe, there's only one. There's unity. There's no right, there's no left, there's no masculine, there's no feminine. There's one single unity. Shem Echad, God is one. And that unity, there's no severity whatsoever. That's where the 13 attributes of mercy come from. Say, Hashem's 13 attributes of mercy. Even if a person sins, even for the sinner... Hashem is mercy. Because when you reach the level of Keter, you reach the source, the root, the source of, of mercy and compassion, you're touching such a deep level, there, there is absolutely no severity. There's no strictness. And Hashem could cleanse even the sins and the negativity, and Hashem could forgive. You know, it's, it's from such a deep place where there's no divisions, there's no separations, and everything, everything... So here he's saying that the mitzvot are rooted in that white, that place of whiteness, that, that keter, that crown, one single path. All the mitzvot, positive, prohibitions, negative, do's, don'ts. So which one is it? Here we have like three different statements in the Kabbalah. Each seems to be contradicting the next. This level includes no element of severity at all. As the Zara states there... There is no left in Atik. There is no element of Gevura in the internal level of Keter. There is only Keset. We thus seem to have a compound contradiction. We have just stated that the 448 positive commandments stem from the vessels of the 10 Savort of Zah. The Zora states that the 248 positive commandments stem from the five Chasidim attributes of kindness of Zah, while the 365 prohibitory commandments stem from the five Gevot attributes of severity. Of Zah and the Zora states elsewhere that the commandments derived from the love known of the supernal Keter, where attributes of severity do not exist at all. So we have a three-way contradiction. Here he says it comes, the mitzvah, the 248 positive mitzvot come from all ten svirot. Then elsewhere it says that it only comes from the five, five kindness, five levels of kindness. Versus the 365 come from Gevurot. And elsewhere he says that all 613 mitzvot are rooted and come from the white, the whiteness, the level of the crown which transcends the whole frame of reference, and there there's absolutely no left and there's no, um, there's no severity at all. So now he's going to reconcile 
all these three statements. That not only aren't they contradictory, but they're actually, they're all unified. This point of unification, does the universe still exist? Very good. He says they're the root of the 613 mitzvah. We have 613 mitzvot, and yet they're all one. So that's what he's going to explain. That's, that's, a very, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. In a sense, that's the question of the wise son. The question that you're asking is really the question of the wise son. The wise son asks, why all these distinctions between mitzvot? Maha edut, v'achukim, v'amishpat. We have all these different categories. You have mitzvot which transcend logic. Don't mix milk and meat. Don't mix wool and linen. The red heifer. There are mitzvot that are testimonial mitzvot, celebrating the holidays, commemorating events that happen in our history. And then the logical mitzvot. Don't steal, don't murder, don't rape. All the, all the logical mitzvot. Love your fellow like yourself. So the, the wise son wants to know why distinguish between the mitzvot, why create categories. After all, there is a singularity within all the mitzvot. What is the singular point behind all the mitzvot? We make the same blessing. And all the blessings, we say the same thing, that God sanctified us with his commandments. Because what difference does it make? What the mitzvot? The point is that I'm doing what Hashem wants me to do. Does it matter to me? If Hashem wanted me to chop wood, I would do it with the same enthusiasm like I'm putting on film. If this is what Hashem wants, this is what creates a connection to Hashem, I'm, con- I'm connecting with the infinite, I'm connecting with Hashem, hey, what difference does it make if this type of mitzvah, that type of mitzvah, it's an important mitzvah, it's a minor mitzvah, it's absolutely meaningless. It's all one. Just like in the human body, how do we sense ourselves? Do we, do we, dist- do we distinguish? A healthy person doesn't distinguish. You don't walk around feeling your bag of bones and, and blood and veins and sinus. You feel yourself as absolutely one. And the ty- from the toenail to the brain, it's all one. It's 100 trillion cells. I'm alive. It's all, it's all one. I'm alive. The, 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 every part of me is just as alive as the other part and, and, and feels connected and, and inseparable. And, and so... Why all these distinctions? What difference does it make? Major, minor, biblical, rabbinic. This is the will of Hashem. It's a mitzvah. I make a blessing. It doesn't matter if it's a rabbinic mitzvah, if it's a biblical mitzvah. This is what Hashem wants. I'm doing what Hashem wants. I'm connecting with Hashem. Why make all these distinctions? There's one point. So it should transcend all these distinctions. That's, that's what's troubling the wise son. That's what's bothering him. That's the question that he has. And the Torah makes these distinctions. Torah says there are these types of mitzvot and these categories of mitzvot and there are major mitzvot and there are minor mitzvot and there's biblical and there's rabbinic and there's uh, the way you should do the mitzvah initially, ideally, and after the fact, minimally, minimal requirements. So why have all these distinctions? And that's basically what he's going to explain right now. The explanation is, all the mitzvot are designed to rectify the 248 organs of the self by drawing the infinite Ein Sof light into the divine intellect as incorporated within the five attributes of kindness and five attributes of severity. In mortal men too, by way of analogy, one's intellectual decisions are commonly swayed by a natural leanings to kindness or severity. 
Since the purpose of mitzvot is to repair the 248 organs of Zah, it is true to say that mitzvot are rooted in the vessels of Sfirot that constitute Zah, since the repair is accomplished through the drawing of the infinite light into the divine intellect that is housed in the five attributes of kindness and the five attributes of severity, it is also sometimes said that the mitzvot themselves are rooted in the five attributes of kindness and the five attributes of severity. So he says to fix and to mend the 248, he calls them the organs. Just like an organ, an organ draws out a certain energy, a certain capacity from the body. The eye draws out from within the soul the capacity to see. If God forbid the eye is defective, you, you can't, there's no vessel. There's nothing to draw out the soul's capacity to see. The soul has the capacity, but there's no vessel to receive it. So the vessel draws the light and draws the energy. But the mitzvot that we do in the physical world draws down the infinite light because it fixes and it broadens the vessels of Atzilut. Because even though the vessels of Atzilut are already fixed, they're already, they are vessels and they do receive uh, divine light. But when we do the mitzvah, we're drawing down a much more powerful light. And in order to receive this powerful light, which is drawn down by us physically doing the mitzvah in this world, we're drawing down from the infinite, we're drawing down a more intense light, a new light, which the vessels cannot receive. The vessels, as great as they are, it, it will break. Even though they're, they're, they're big vessels, they're large vessels on its own, but since you're drawing down a new light, an intense light, an infinite light, the vessels, so the vessels need to be fortified, expanded, so to speak. So when you do the mitzvah, you're drawing down the light and you're also fixing the vessels. You're enabling the vessels to be able to receive this infinite light. You see, in the, the, the Kabbalah describes that when God created the world, first it was chaos. That's what the Torah says in Genesis. The world was chaos, and then he, God said there should be light. And that and that's, in general, God created the world. First it was chaos, the generation of the flood, the generation of the Tower of Babel, Sodom and Gomorrah, Egypt, till the Jewish people, Abraham, they started the mending, the giving of the Torah. That began the mending process to fix the world. The world was a jungle. The world was pagan, cruel, hopelessly backwards. And with Abraham and the patriarchs and the matriarchs and the Jewish people, they started cultivating the world. They started uh, mending the world with the Torah, morality, ethics, the prophets, the Jewish way of life. All the religions ultimately come from Judaism. They started fixing the world. So the Torah and the mitzvot is rooted in the world of mending, and our mission is to fix the world of chaos, to take the physical objects which come from the world of chaos, coarse, crass, material world, and to mend it. So when God created the world, first there was the world of chaos. The world of chaos was a world which had intense energies. But the vessels shattered. The vessels couldn't handle that light. So it was a breakdown. 
then God emanated from within himself the world of emanation, which is called the world of tikkun, the world of mending. There was the exact opposite. The vessels were wide and the lights were small, so the vessels could absorb the light. A human analogy to help us understand. It's like the difference between children or teenagers, which are like chaos, versus adults, maturity. What's the difference? A child is totally consumed by his emotions. When a child hates something or dislikes something, he doesn't, his mind is too small to be able to leave room to see, you know, there may be something positive. Yes, this guy, I hate this guy, he's driving me nuts and he's, he's criticizing me and I don't like, but you know what, there may be, he may have a point, <laughs> maybe there's something good in this. He's so consumed and he's blind and he can't see anything and he's consumed with his hatred and he completely rejects and he doesn't have the capacity to be able to juggle two opposites. A mature person, I can hate my enemy and he's doing terrible things, but you know what, but I can also see there may be something positive in all of this. Maybe he has a point. At the same time that I, I'm, I, I'm his enemy, but I can see I'm broad-minded enough which diminishes the anger, diminishes the, I can handle I'm broad-minded. I can handle inconveniences. I can handle things that don't go my way. I don't, I'm not totally lost. Versus a person who's mano, who's one fo totally focused and he just totally consumed. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for flexibility. And there's no room to appreciate maybe another perspective. Maybe there, it's negative, but there may be some positive points that I can learn. I can learn from my enemy. It's just not possible. So that's a child. A child is, because a child is very, is small, small-minded. So a child is small-minded, so he's, he's very stubborn and very obstinate, and there's no, there's no room for anything. My way or the highway, and I don't see any other point of view, and then it's totally emotional, and it cannot, it's not possible for him to love and hate at the same time. A mature person, I can love and hate at the same time. Yes, I don't like the person, and I have very negative things to say about him, but I also see positive. I also see why he's valuable. I see why he, what he contributes. We find that in the, in the Tanakh, in the Bible. Hashem says, Hashem was angry. Why was there a famine in the times of King David? For two reasons. One reason is because the Jewish people did not mourn King Saul properly. So Hashem was so upset, such a tzaddik, such a righteous person like King Saul. The Jewish people didn't give him up. The first Jewish king, the Jewish people didn't give him a proper burial, proper mourning. Hashem was so angry that he caused a famine for the Jewish people. That was reason number one. What was reason number two? Because Saul killed out. He caused, because he killed out all the prophets, he put the Givonim out of business, because that was their business. They serviced the temple, the tabernacle. He killed out all the priests. King Saul killed out all the priests because they protected King David and not knowing that, that uh, he was being, King David was being pursued by, uh, by King Saul, they were innocent. You know, read the Bible. It's fascinating. Read, read, read the Bible. It's fascinating. It's, you, know, you know the definition of a Jew. The Jews don't read the Bible, even though it's our book. <laughs> the Christians know the Bible by, back, by heart. The Muslims know the Bible backward by heart. The Jews never read the Bible. It's the most fascinating book in the world. The world's bestseller. Read it. The whole story is there. It's a fascinating story. But we're not going to go into the whole story now, but just this point, so that he caused them tremendous harm, and they never forgave him. And Hashem was very upset. So make up your mind. 
you're upset, you're giving, there's a famine because you're upset at King Saul because of this grievous sin that he did. He killed out all the priests. There was one child that miraculously was survived and all the priests come from that one child. At the same time, you're upset in the Jewish people that they didn't grieve and didn't mourn King Saul properly because that's an example of being broad-minded. I can be angry at King Saul, but at the same time, I appreciate his qualities. The first Jewish king, he was great. He was a great person. Only an adult can, can wrap his mind and at the same time be angry and at the same time appreciate it, and which diminishes the anger. So it, it's contained. A child is angry, it's, uh, it's uncontainable, it's uncontrollable, it's total, it's obsessive. It's, it's, I don't see any other point of view and I can't see anything else and, and, and it's, like, it's like a tunnel vision and that means there's no vessels a small-minded person. They can't handle, they can't handle it to see a little, a, a bigger picture. We find the same thing. It says later on in Jewish history that Hashem, when Hashem destroyed Jerusalem, Hashem says, I was always angry. Jerusalem was built al-apiv al-chamasi. I was angry the f- moment, the first moment when they inaugurated the temple. When King Solomon inaugurated the temple, I was angry at him because he married the daughter of Paro. He married a thousand non-Jewish wives who technically converted, but it wasn't a real, you know, it wasn't a genuine conversion. And he even overslept. <laughs> the daughter of Paro, he even overslept. He missed the inauguration. He came late to the inauguration of the first temple because he was, he was, he was with, with the daughter of Paro. So Hashem says, from the moment that they dedicated the temple, I was angry. You're angry. You didn't tell us you were angry. Hashem revealed the Shekhinah, Shechina came down. It was the dedication of the temple, one of the most powerful moments in Jewish history. The Jewish moon was at its peak. King, King Solomon was the 15th generation from Abraham when the Jews were compared to the moon is at its peak. The dedication of the temple it was a day of joy. And yet Hashem was angry. And angry and joyful at the same time. This is a sign of greatness. A person, when there's a tremendous vessels, I can handle, I can handle a lot. When a person is very small-minded, they can't handle it. And, and there was a shattering of the vessels. Then came the world of mending, which is broad, and therefore you can, I can compartmentalize. You know, I'm angry at this, I'm critical of this, but I'm very appreciative of this, simultaneously. But although the vessels of the world of Tikkun were very broad, and they could absorb the light, but a limited light, when you do a mitzvah, and you're elevating the mitzvah back to its source in the world of chaos. You're awakening those powerful lights of the world of chaos, these infinite lights. Even the vessels of Atzillus, of the world of mending, can't handle these lights. So the mitzvah also has to broaden. You have to fix the vessels. You have to broaden the vessels to be able to, be able to absorb this infinite light, this new revelation, this new intense revelation. So that's the purpose of the mitzvah, to fix the vessels. What do you mean the vessels are already fixed before, before we do the mitzvah? Yes, they are from the world of fixing and mending. But to fix it, to be able to absorb and receive a new light, a new intense infinite light from Hashem, from the infinite, from Himself. So that's what he's saying. I mean, he's speaking very cryptically here. You know, you have to... That's what he says, that, that the mitzvah, that to fix the 248 limbs, and through 
drawing down the infinite light in the, uh, in the mind, so to speak, of, of the world of emanation of Hashem, which incorporates and includes the five attributes. Because even the intellect, it's like a decision you make in your mind. You know, you think the person is guilty and not guilty. You're leaning towards uh, conservative, liberal. I'm leaning towards saying, you know, the attribute of kindness, or I'm leaning toward the opposite attribute. So even before it comes down into the world of emotions, before it becomes a full-blown emotion, even in your mind, you have a certain judgment, a certain bias, a certain decision that you're leaning I think the person is guilty. I think the person is not guilty. I think he's right. I think he's wrong. I think this is okay. It's not okay. So intellectually, even in the world of intellect, you're already forming judgments. You're already forming, I'm leaning this way, right, I'm leaning left, which later on develops into a full-blown emotion where I love or I hate, I'm attracted, I'm repulsed. But it all begins in the intellect. So he says, that's why, since the purpose of the mitzvah is to repair the 248 organs. What is Zah? Zah is the, the, the emotions of Hashem, the emotional attributes of Hashem. Versus the mind, Chabad, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So it's Zer Ampin, like the small face versus the large face. It, it refers to the, the emotional attributes of Hashem. So this repair is accomplished by drawing the infinite light into the divine intellect that is housed in the five attributes of kindness and the five attributes of severity where the mitzvah themselves are rooted in the five attributes. But then you go even more, more so, the source of the divine in- intellect is the lavnunit. source of the divine intellect is the lavnunit of Keter which is the supreme delight and desire to draw the light below into the 248 organs of Zah, for relative to Keter, Zah is deemed below. The Zohar also says elsewhere that the commandments are rooted in the level of supernal Keter called Labnunit, where there are no attributes of severity whatever, for this is the source of Mitzvot, as they exist in the supreme delight and desire of Keter. Keter is the crown. Keter, Keser is a crown that refers to the, the Hashem's uh, transcendent self, his desire, his pleasure, just like within a person. The brain is, you have three compartments. You have the right brain, the left brain, the limbic brain. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the heart contains the emotions. Will and pleasure has no organ. Will and pleasure is transcendent. It's, it's the whole person. It's behind everything. It's the soul. It's, it's all-encompassing. So that's like the crown. It's all-encompassing. You talk about the will of Hashem, the, ple- the desire of Hashem, the pleasure of Hashem. So the will and pleasure of Hashem was that there should be a, a mending, there should be a, a drawing down of the infinite light into the vessels. So that's the root and source of all the mitzvot. So there is a singular singularity. There is a single root and source to all the mitzvot, which is also reflected in halacha. Like you said, it's all singular. The Torah says when a Jew is occupied in doing one mitzvah, you're exempt from doing any other mitzvah. Because every mitzvah contains within it all the other mitzvot. 
Every mitzvah is a reflection of all the... Because ultimately they're all rooted in the same source. So there is a singularity. There is one single point behind all the mitzvah. So when I'm engaged and busy in one mitzvah, it already contains all the other mitzvahs. So it's not like I'm losing out the other mitzvah. By doing this mitzvah, I already have um, a reflection of all the other mitzvah. But on the other hand, Hashem wanted to mend and to draw down the godly light into this world, into this fragmented world, into this world that we live in, which is so fragmented and pluralistic and compartmentalized. He wanted to draw down that infinite singular light into this world. And that's why we have all these distinctions. That's why we have the 613 mitzvah. That's why we have all these categories, distinctions, these type of mitzvah, that type of mitzvah. Because the idea is that this singularity, this single infinite light should permeate every aspect of existence, every aspect of... So it should really penetrate and permeate and transform and uh, elevate and reach and change every single aspect of existence. That every aspect of existence should all express that single unity of Hashem. The end of every chapter of Ethics of Our Fathers, we say... From the end of Tractate Makot, Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashi Yomer, Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashi said, Rotz HaKadosh Baruch Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people, L'fichot, therefore, Hir Belem Taira Mitzvah. He gave them so, many Torah, so much Torah, so many mitzvah. So what does it mean? It means, it means he gave us 613? Uh, why didn't he, I mean, at what point is... <laughs> He wants to give us many mitzvot, maybe a thousand mitzvot, two thousand or whatever. But he means to say, he's explaining not only the amount of mitzvot, quantity-wise, he's also explaining why all these differentiations and the distinctions, why it's important, 248 positives, active mitzvot, 365 prohibitions. You have all these different categories of mitzvot, these types of mitzvot, and those types of mitzvot, and biblical mitzvot, and rabbinic mitzvot, and chathila, and bidiyeved, initially, ideally, and, and the minimal requirement in the mitzvah. Why all these distinctions? If there's a singular point, I'm doing the will of Hashem. And by doing His will, I'm connecting with Him. What difference, what matter, what difference does it make? Why does it matter? How? The, the details. Why do all these details, why do they matter? So he's saying, look, because this is what Hashem wanted. This is what Hashem desired. Hashem desired and wanted all these details. He wants us to fix and to mend and to bring that light into all these details of our lives. That every part of our life and every aspect of our life, all the limbs and all the veins and every day and every aspect of our life and every part of our life should be permeated with godliness, should be connected with Hashem. And that's why you have agricultural mitzvot, and you have mitzvot that deal with the animal, and you have mitzvot that deal with, the, with landlord and, 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 and tenant, and you have legal mitzvot that, that deal with law, and you have all these different mitzvot that affect every aspect of human life. There's another mitzvah. You bump into a mitzvah. No matter what human activity you're doing, there's another mitzvah. Whether it's marriage, it's relationships, it's anything. Whatever we confront, whatever we encounter, whatever we deal, engage with, there's another mitzvah to illuminate, to bring the light, to fix, to mend, to bring Hashem 
into that situation, into that experience. So it all begins with the single point, with Hashem's will and desire. And that's what Hashem wanted. And that's why it differentiates into the positives, into the prohibitions, into 613, into all the specifics, the details. So it's all correct. It's not a contradiction. It's all, it's all, yes, the mitzvot are one. But the goal of the mitzvot to fix and to mend and to bring godliness into every aspect of existence. And that's why we have to have all these specifics to be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.